You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Our guest today, Academy Award-winning cinematographer Haskell Wexler, is one of the most important cinematographers working in the film industry today. Wexler has directed only a handful of films, yet among them was a highly influential medium cool. His film credits include Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Bound for Glory, Matewan, In the Heat of the Night, Thomas Crown Affair, Coming Home, The Secret of Rona Nish, and Silver City. Wexler's latest documentary, Who Needs Sleep, documents how sleep Deprivation and long work hours are a lethal combination. Haskell Wexler, welcome to Film School. Glad to be here. Well, thanks very much for Wherever joining us. Wherever here is. Yeah, <laughs> we're down at uh, the University of California in Irvine, down the coast from you. You're up in L.A. today? Yes. Well, very good. Did you get enough sleep last night? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I'm, I did. Thank you. According to your new documentary, people just aren't getting, they're, they're working horribly long hours. They're not able to, to function properly, and there's, there's actually been some fatalities due to them uh, not being able to, to uh, stay awake. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the, the reception of your film, Who's Need Sleep? The reception has been excellent. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, people in the film business who have been reticent to, to say something that has been developing very seriously in the last five years, but uh, for me, as someone who is a documentarian, which in a sense is a researcher, what has been very interesting to me is, is how widespread and how deadly the problem is mm-hmm. and, and how it intrudes on more than just driving home safely or, or feeling uh, tired or not feeling tired. We're talking primarily about film crews, the, the uh, sort of what they call below-the-line people, right, the production people who are forced to work 18-hour days is not uncommon, right? Yes, and the funny thing is, above-the-line people also do it. Okay. Uh, but they do it in uh, overt service to uh, the god of the bottom line and believing that uh, interns and mm-hmm. um, helpers and assistant assistants and people in the offices spend many more hours than even uh, below the line. So a lot of them uh, sleep on couches in offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so You sound like you've done that yourself. Yeah. So you're saying it has other impacts besides just getting home safely. It's impacting their lives in other ways. Well, impacting your life is, is an understatement because yeah. you have no life but a work life. Mm-hmm. And if you have no life as a work for work life, it yeah. number one, even thinking of greedy producer of which of whom I have yet to meet because in person person every all the people we work with on making films most always I mean are good people mm. and have families and and have teenage kids that they don't see on the weekend because on Fridays of course we work deep into Saturdays and they have the lost weekend we're all sort of trapped in some invisible mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. and this coming Friday the International Documentary Association Awards Dinner is being held here in Los Angeles, and you're one of the honorees. And something that I think many people may not know about as far as your 
film career is concerned, knowing that you as a cinematographer on feature films, that you have done an extensive, you have an extensive amount of documentary film experience. You have produced, directed, if you will, many documentaries, including an Academy Award winner. The interview with Eli Veteran. Thank you. I was one of two cameramen on that. You've worked with Sal Landau uh, quite a bit, uh, and a lot of your um, documentary uh, films have to do with Central and South America. You must love doing documentaries. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not really a very good reader, so when I go on a documentary, it's like a, a learning adventure. And a number of them, I did go with Saul Landau, who is, uh, knows Latin America. And so I was in Chile when Allende was there, and I was in Guatemala being kicked out when they had a, uh, an elected government that the uh, United Fruit Company didn't like in, yeah. in Salvador, Nicaragua, yeah. Cuba. Was there a point in time where you uh, became more politically active, or it, it was this something you were brought up with? Because you're, you're known for having uh, liberal ideals, and we, we, uh, we're all for you in that we regard. We celebrate but your was, liberal ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but was there a point in time where you came into that? Probably in the year 1922, in uh, March, which wow. is um, the month after I was born. <laughs> <laughs> is it, and something happened then? <laughs> it was just, well, it, was... it probably even began before that. It began, as I'm reading about, about evolution, uh, it, came, it began with my mother okay. and how my character was formed in, his, in her womb. Uh, so I think rather than political, I would say I have... A social conscience yeah. because I, uh, I'm a social human being and I happen to be a filmmaker, so somehow they get connected. You've done some, some absolutely beautiful work. There's particular frames and scenes that are just going to be etched into my mind forever, what, what you've done. Is, it, is there an approach you have to filmmaking, walking onto a set for the first time? Is there something you look for? I look for something invisible which uh, touches my my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. invisible that says, "Oh, that's a shot," or, or uh, "Look at that." I, I'm not I'm not aware of specific things I look for. Of course, when I talk to people like you, uh-huh. you know, to communicate to other people, generally I generally not communicable. <laughs> yeah. I know that Pauline Kale, a critic, used to write this long things about me and saying that I'm queer for reflections. Oh, yeah, Haskell, we had the reflections in the Thomas <laughs> Crown Affair and he had the reflections in the heat of the night and the flashing light in Virginia Woolf. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> for for critics and viewers, but not for the filmmaker. Now, do you, call, do you sit down with the director and work out a look? Let's take as an example, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It was a black and white film. You worked with Mike Nichols on that, for which you won the, the, an Oscar. What was it about that? Because as I recall, the film has a lot of close-ups. Was there something about that film? Yeah, at that time, I was very inexperienced working in studio setup and that type of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I was going for survival. I was, <laughs> I, I was going to, would I be able to do this job with these big star actors? Yeah. And, uh, and in the course of doing that, I was helped by an old-time gaffer who also appears in the picture in the barroom scene. Huh. And um, also, I was personal friends with Mike Nichols from Chicago. It was just a, it was a, a learning experience, okay. and it was not something that, would, that was prefabricated or storyboarded mm-hmm. or anything right. else. 
that you went in and you just... Well, there were rehearsals. Yeah. We did rehearsals, so we knew what, what the meaning of the scene was. We uh, had to be aware that there's, since it's boring being in, inside one house most of the time, some feeling of time from night to early morning, that mm. type of subtle. Was there something that you uh, learned early on that you've kept with you all the years to get your focus together? Is there is there some uh, little bit of uh, knowledge you picked up early on that's worked for you for all this time? Mm. No? <laughs> no, I, I can't. Yeah, it sounds I like I can't you say something. I've been very fortunate yeah. to work with directors who want to make the picture they're making uh, beyond trying to make sure that it has a big weekend, yeah. uh, that they that they are interested in what they're trying to say, not necessarily something big and political, but principled about human beings, about interaction, and and if that is contagious. It comes from the script, mm-hmm. it comes from the director, and hopefully it reflects on the photographer. And it all seems that you come at things with fresh eyes, so it, at least from my perspective. It, it seems like you're always, you're always looking and you're always reacting to what's in front of you instead of going with a preconceived notion. By the way, we're, we're speaking with Haskell Wexler, cinematographer, and I'm going to read off a few films here. In the Heat of the Night, The Thomas Crown Affair, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, American Graffiti, you worked on that, Bound for Glory. I'm going to mention one. I've bored my co-host by talking about this film in the past because I think it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, Days of Heaven, with the Terrence Malick film, which I think is just a stunningly beautiful film. Uh, I shot uh, quite a bit of it, about 48 minutes at one time, but but it was in the style that Nestor Elamendros, who had to go work with Truffaut and had to leave the picture, and it was his style and... Terry Malick's good visual eye. Yeah. All, all these things were photographer, myself included, uh, are praised. It, in filmmaking, there's a combination of a lot of things yeah. that add up to it, yeah. not the least of which is art direction and, and good luck as well. Shooting in northern latitude, as we were on Days of Heaven, we yeah. had these extended mystic hours where for maybe two and a half, or sometimes as long as three hours, we would have a light that was similar to what Bergman would have in, in Sweden. Uh, there's a cinematographer out there today, a young one, that's that's uh, listening. What advice would you give him? I would give him no advice. Yeah? Oh, good. <laughs> I would give him no advice except to do it. Yeah? To do it. And don't when you do do it, don't do anything that offends your sense of values, offends your conscience. Of course, we all make compromises. I shot all the Marlboro commercials, for example, uh, you know, when I knew cigarettes were harmful. So along the way, and that's a more obvious example, we all make compromises with a system which is not set up necessarily for the betterment of mankind, but for betterment of some mankind. So I would say its main way we learn is to do it, and hopefully do it with friends and people who are in good intentions, and something will happen. I, I, w- I watched uh, Medium Cool recently, which is a film that you wrote, directed, and, and uh, filmed. What I was struck by was seeing the scenes uh, that uh, with the police moving in to quell the uh, demonstrations. What, was, what I was struck by was that perspective was not a perspective that I remember seeing at the time that it was happening. I, what I saw was a lot of dark night footage of people chasing other people around the streets of Chicago. This Medium Cool, for those who don't know, was uh, was filmed during 
1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago, in which there was a lot of demonstrations going on and what was called later on a police riot. What I was struck by in Medium Cool was seeing that perspective, which I had, wish I had seen more of at the time that, of the event. Just being within the group? Within the group to yeah. see that people were really just doing their constitutionally guaranteed right to, to demonstrate and to watch the police come in and physically intimidate these people. As you were doing it, did that sense come across to you that the people were doing what they were, as Americans, were allowed to do? Uh, yeah, you, you, have to, you have to remember at that time, even having long hair, some of the members of our crew had long hair. One of them had a beard. Uh, we'd go into a, a regular restaurant, not an expensive one, and they refused to serve you. Yeah. The enemy were, was primarily the young people. Yeah. And I don't mean just the enemy of some bigots, but uh, if you read any of the newspapers, yeah, you look at Time magazine, you look at whatever television there was in those days, and um, we were the weirdos. We were the enemy. Actually, I was a little older than most of them. <laughs> And um, that was the atmosphere that it was in. Well, it was just a remarkable document. The news footage at that time sensationalized the uh, 68 convention, whereas Medium Cool uh, brought you into the reality of that time. Once again, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Haskell Wexler, his new film, his new documentary, Who Needs Sleep? Any other projects that you're working on right now? Well, I uh, I just came down from... Vancouver, Washington, where a picture is being made called The Battle in Seattle, which is a dramatic film, some of which takes place in some of the demonstrations against the World Trade Organization. Barry Aykroyd is shooting at the cameraman who won the Palm d'Or for the Barley film uh-huh. with, uh, this year. Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, so I, I shot on that, but I also acted the part of Haskell Wexler. <laughs> <laughs> Well, was he was he tough <laughs> to do? do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was he a tough character for you? Well, I want to thank you so much for being here on Film School, Haskell Wexler. The body of work that you have produced is remarkable, and really appreciate you. Yes. Honored that you were here today. Thank you. Thank you very much. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at kuci.org slash filmschool.